Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 11th episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how's your Sunday going? Having a good Sunday, Nolan. Always the highlight of my Sunday is uh, is getting on the pod. Well, I guess this is the first Sunday in two weeks we've done it with the uh, with the time change, this daylight savings time that you you Easterners keep talking about. Abu. It's kicking my ass. Yeah, man, it sucks. We're uh, we're not able to to chat as much during the week. I've been missing my no whistle time, so this is this is dope. Um, spent last night watching like a full day of watching hockey with a couple fan or a couple not fans, couple friends of the pod, Nordic Lisa, my buddy Ben, Puka Shells, and uh, Ramus Winston. So big shout out to them. Lots of good hockey yesterday. Big Oilers dub. Big two points. Let's go. How about yourself? What have you been up to? Uh, last night I watched the game by myself, which is unfortunate, uh, because Taylor had to work a morning shift this morning, so I got to lovingly watch it by myself. And then, uh, I spent today where we, it was, I believe, plus 16 today. It was gorgeous, sunny. Gorgeous. And uh, I stayed inside for four hours and watched the Justice League Snyder Cut, uh, that it, uh, has been ever so rampantly talked about on Twitter. Which was uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Snyder Cut, Miles. Are you familiar with it? Um, about as familiar as I am with performing open heart surgery. Oh, I have excellent. not gone. Okay. I have not gone to medical school. Okay. Well, I see that you are a number one fan then. Uh, I so basically what Justice League the Snyder Cut is is uh, about four years ago there was a, a theatrical release of Justice League. Which are you familiar with what Justice League is? Um. Yeah, man. Arteries. Superman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, all those, all those, all those friends. Anyways, they made this highly anticipated movie. It stunk when it came out. People didn't like it, and then all the fans came together online and on Twitter, and they were like, "Hey, there must be an alternate cut for this movie." And lo and behold, there was one, and it's four fucking hours long. And so they released it, and so that's what I spent my Sunday doing. It was a nice Sunday, and I spent it inside watching the Snyder Cut. And um, for anyone that wants to know, it um, it was fine. It was okay. Yeah. I know we got a big movie buff uh, that likes to listen to the pod. Shout out Flames fan Kyle. He had some words to say about last week's episode. He was, he was giving me the gears about you talking about Marvel and Thanos and 85,000 simulations or whatever the fuck that was. You know what, Flamesang Kyle? I think there is a fine line between being able to be a movie snob and also enjoying some dumb, fun summer popcorn movies. So he can uh, uh, S my D for all I care because uh, and like the Avengers movies are fun, okay? Flamesang Kyle and I can throw some uh, artsy-fartsy movies back and forth to one another, but I-, I think that we should show the Marvel movies the respect that they ever so lovingly deserve yeah man absolutely if you want to come on the podcast and speak virgin to everybody that's totally fine you can go ahead and do that how dare you (laughs) that's what i said to kyle when he was beaking you about marvel i was like yeah man fucking let him do his thing i don't know man i don't have anything against the marvel movies i don't really watch movies um but like fuck if people want to watch it go for it i really don't care i'm just gonna watch the same 
stupid Will Ferrell movie 75 times and, and live my life. I'm going to I'm gonna have to send him a DM on Instagram and be like, so, I heard you were talking shit. I want, I want you guys to be friends. Really? <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. We love Flames Fan Kyle. Taylor what? loves Flames Fan Kyle. Yeah, Taylor Taylor might leave you for Flames Fan Kyle. She might. She might. We. <laughs> she when uh, actually, funnily enough, uh, she, she probably won't. She probably won't. Probably won't hear this, but uh, when he followed me right after, then I followed him back, or maybe it was the other way around. I can't remember. But anyways, um, she then followed him herself, <laughs> and then. And then when she had access to his Instagram, she's like, oh, my God, Flames fan Kyle's so cute. Yeah, man. He's a hot, redheaded <laughs> I boy. Was like, he, I was like, good for Flames fan Kyle, man. He's on He's on that Prince Harry shit. He's killing it. Uh, does, uh, does he have a girlfriend? I don't want to talk about his personal life on the pod. We're here. We're here. Fucking <laughs> poor starting guy. a rumor mill on poor, poor Flames fan Kyle. You know we what? Got... We started one on Kyler Yamamoto. We can get one yeah. on Flames fan Kyle going. Flames fan Kyle's ego is not going to be able to fit through the fucking door after getting... <laughs> Four minutes of straight, straight love on the one for one podcast. <laughs> well, Flames fan Kyle, uh, I, I think uh, your head is going to be about as big as uh, Yessi Pugliarvi's play this last week. <laughs> Bazo! I think Flames. I don't want to speak for you, Nolan, but I think Flames fan Kyle just solidified himself as getting the first get or second guest spot on the one third third guest spot on the one for one pod. How could I almost forget Lord Richard? Oh my God, fifty lashes, boy! It, it's it, and then all it's going to be is so Jacob Markstrom. Let's talk about that, shall we? <laughs> we'll have to go. We'll have to get him on here. We'll have to. Get, I, I I think he's going to want to defend himself after a little bit of this stuff. So uh, check your DMs from the one for one pod. It's coming for you. But, Nolan, we've spent enough time screwing around. I think we're going to get into the episode here, if that's okay with you. Can I get a thumbs um, up in the Zoom? I'm, I'm more than okay with that. I got a thumbs up in the Zoom. Uh, so the agenda for today, folks. Ooh, there's the crack. There's the signature crack. So the agenda for today, we're going to be going over a couple games from the Oilers. Big week. Once again, Miles, a.k.a. Father Pickmas, was correct in saying the, the Oilers were going to go 3-1 and one with one loss to the Flames and two large Ws against the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to be talking about those games. We're going to get into some notes about the uh, lineups that we've been seeing, the uh, forwards uh, pairing specifically. We are going to talk about some Oilers deadline play. We're going to talk about uh, state of the North Division, I'm sure. We're going to talk about a little bit of Oilers prospect. And then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, the first one-for-one debate after the NHL released its trophy tracker for the heart. Um, there was some thoughts that were shared between Nolan and I that we are going to get into in a formal debate. And we'll, as always, finish things off with next week's agenda of the upcoming games and how we think the boys in Copper and Blue are going to do. With that out of the way, Nolan, you want to kick us off on the first BOA of this week, the Calgary game, March 15th. This is the saltiest description of uh, probably an Oilers game I've ever had, but... It was a 4-3 loss to the Calgary Flames. It was the Calgary Flames playing their classic bullshit uh, Daryl Sutter hockey and getting away with a bunch of bullshit on Connor McDavid. I don't really want to talk about this game too much. Three power plays for the Flames, one for the Oilers. That's about it. Now, what I would like to talk about is the 7-3 shellacking. Mm, you can't get away that easy. We got to talk. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about a couple of things. There was some shit that happened in that game, specifically around our boy JJ. He was out there doing some dastardly deeds, done dirty cheap. Um, that headshot, man. 
I don't remember who it was on, but that was one that made my stomach hurt. Oliver, I don't like, Oliver Shillington. Oliver Shillington. I don't like seeing shit like that. And I no, certainly I don't, don't like I don't like seeing shit like that happen from our guys. So that was a pretty gutless hit in my opinion. I do like that he answered the bell afterwards because he kind of knew that he, he had, had to, to fight. He had to fight after that. You can't lick a guy like that and not stand up for yourself. So I am glad that he was um, gentlemanly enough to abide by the code and stand up for himself there, stand up for his actions. But boy, did he get his lunch fed to him in that scrap. So since you said gentlemanly, does that mean that Juju Arcara is in the running for the Lady Bing Trophy? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, him and Tom, him and Tom Wilson, two top <laughs> candidates. There, we're gonna throw Brad Marchand and Spearing Ovi. In I that mean, mix don't get me well. wrong; they did give Ryan O'Reilly the Lady Bing after he crashed his truck into a Tim Hortons one time. So, guy, another guy that likes a couple of drinks, eh, Eddie Belfer. <laughs> but no, I'm glad that he answered the bell and fought Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie beat the fucking wheels off of him in that scrap. Brett. Took a nat. Brett Ritchie. What did I say? Yeah. Brent. Yeah, I think uh, you yeah, said I, Nick. Didn't you say Nick? Nick? Yeah, Nick, Nick Ritchie, former Regina Pat. That's why I'm saying that. That's a blast from the past, Pats, for anybody. Was he? Subscribed. Was Nick Ritchie a Pat? Maybe. I don't fucking know. I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if you wouldn't have called me out, nobody would have said anything. People would have been like, oh, yeah. There definitely was a Ritchie. On- no, I don't fucking know. Whatever. Anyway. Maybe it was a Richard. Uh, <laughs> Richard. That was a, that's a good white guy name. There's definitely a few of them that have played in the league for sure. But it hits his head on the way down. Uh, kind of scary. I think he was seeing some stars there. Um, wasn't out or anything like that. So couldn't have been too, too serious in terms of an injury for Jujar. But uh, nasty hit. Answered the bell. Got his, his lunch licked. I think that makes everything okay. Because there was no player suspension for the hit that Jujar laid. Um, I think that that might have been a little bit of a miss from the league on that one. I don't think that guys should be able to get away with that. By no means am I saying Jujar's an inherently dirty player. I don't think he's always out there flying around trying to hurt guys or anything like that. But um, if the league didn't see a reason to suspend him, I guess they know something a little bit more than I did. But personally, and not to talk shit about an Oilers player too, too much, which we like to do occasionally, um, I think that that would have been one that uh, maybe would have liked to see a guy get a couple of games for just as a statement that you can't headhunt. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Holy you, fuck, I got it. You're right. You're, you, you nailed it on the head. I'm, <laughs> I, I usually agree with you, so frig off. Frig off, Rick. Frig off. Um, yeah, I don't really, I mean, I don't really have any more, any more points about that game. It was just, it was really sloppy. Um, the game from Ethan Bear, that game was... I, I don't know if any, I mean, nobody can see me, but, um, I'm doing that, uh, I'm doing the, uh, the, uh, Jay-Z meme of like the Jay-Z like y- yikes face. <laughs> uh, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly how Ethan Bear played on, uh, the first battle of Alberta this week. But Miles, can we move on to a much funner game? Nolan, you may move on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in which the Edmonton Oilers laid a shellacking, I'm going to say it once again, to just emphasize this, a shellacking on the Calgary Flames, otherwise known as the Calgary Lames that oh. night. Oh, I got them there. Not, nothing uh, scorching about that effort, <laughs> am I right? In which Tyson Flippenberry had four assists, four apples for number 22, the five foot eleven king himself from BC, Tyson Berry. The island boy. He loves the island. 
and just and just a just a cute boy with a strong jaw. Just we 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 love we we've officially turned the corner. We are a, we are an official Tyson Berry podcast, and we will get to the reason why we are an official Tyson Berry podcast. Um, but he had four assists, and which moved him up into number one in the league for defenseman scoring. Great work, Ken Holland. Great work, everybody involved. Great work, Leon and Connor. And um, great work to Tyson Berry for the second assist. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't want to be that mean. That's not very nice. Uh, but no, Tyson Berry has been, uh, as much as he's driven us nuts five on five and in his defensive zone, uh, what he's offered offensively has been fantastic. Um, jumping up in the rush, getting more involved, putting pucks on net. <laughs> Uh, as they would usually say, uh, I'm, I've been, I've been very happy to see what he's performed offensively. It's been great. Um, I also, I, I love, 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 uh, Nuge McDavid and Pooley Harvey so much. I just, and I, I just, I, there is a article that was written yesterday that I retweeted from the one for one Twitter account. Follow us on Twitter. And it was about. Jesse Pugliarvi, or sorry, Jesse Pugliarvi, Jesse Pugliarvi, blossoming into a star for the Edmonton Oilers. He's been a four-checking beast. He's been great in his own end, providing nearly Selkie-level defensive play. I'm not joking. Go look at the numbers. That's not a hot take, people. That is he's not a hot He's been fantastic. And what he does both ways for the team and what he provides to on a line, though that was a bad sentence. What he provides in value on a line <laughs> has been fantastic. And I've I'm I am I'm elated. Is that a word? Elated? And is Absolutely. that a good okay, That's a wonderful great word? Yeah, you're doing Thank you. I'm trying to expand my vocabulary a bit. I'm so 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 happy with Yessi Poliarvi. And um on a final note of that game, that Leon pass to Dominic Cahoon, that like little stutter step and then send back Oh, uh, I, I wrote in here. It's it's the it gives you the sense of wonder that Disney World tries to sell you on. Are you a Hillary Duff fan? I do like Hillary Duff. I like the movie Agent Cody Banks. Hey now, hey now. This is what dreams are made of. <laughs> that was me when that passed. When when Leon hit the little whoa and then slid it over. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> So, yeah, that was definitely playing in my mind. Um, yeah, man, that's definitely what dreams are made of. Um, Tyson Berry coming back from the apple orchard with an absolute basket full of gifts. Um, didn't like the ending there where the boys kind of let their foot off the gas and Backland and I believe Gaudreau were able to pot one to make it 7-3. Kind of two nothing goals, just kind of stat patterns for them. But um, I want the Oilers to be as serious as they need to be and that's keeping your foot on the gas for the entire 60 minutes i know after you score a touchdown uh, most of the time you're going to need the extra point team to come out and give you a little break a little bit of a shot of water so maybe that's what was going on there and the, they were just kind of lackadaisical in their end of the game efforts but uh, i would have liked them to keep their foot on the jugular and not let those two goals go through but uh, at the end of the day it's, it's tough to be too mad at a seven to three victory especially against the divisional rival it's also just a little bit unfair to do to your goaltender yeah. to allow those easy goals. It just it like Mike Smith played a really great game, and I I I don't 
want to talk too much about Mike Smith and I don't want to pump his tires too much, but man, uh, I, I, I say whatever the fuck you're going to say. Ken Holland, man, like we all clown, we all clown the organization for bringing him back, but I, we got to wait and see. We got to wait and see what happens, but I have been thoroughly impressed with Mike Smith this season. I am very happy with what Mike Smith has done this season. I will not say anything more on the matter. I am very happy for what he has done, and I look forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the way and during a cup run. You heard me. You heard it there first, folks. You heard it there first. Um, The big news coming out of that game, Nolan, happened after the fact. Uh, It all sparked with a little meme that was made by Noah Izzel himself. Uh, A nice little copy and paste job of Tyson Berry's face over somebody in an apple orchard with a bucket full of apples and a nice little little grab up to the top leaf to pull a fresh, crisp uh, BC apple off off of the branch. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram, uh, you'll notice that um, that that meme was shared, and I tagged Tyson Berry in it with a little kissy face, love you, and I'm checking just to see you know who's watching it, who's engaging, and lo and behold, I see a blue check mark, and I'm like, ooh, he's looking like what? And I look over, and Tyson Berry saw our, saw our meme, saw Nolan's meme. That rules. That rules, man. That rules. Even that though, makes it all worth. Even it. though he didn't follow the pod, even though he. Uh, he has not engaged with Le- us at all. He left me on scene in the DMs. <laughs> did he, I don't know if he's, oh, you didn't know, you, he didn't he, he didn't open it. Oh, okay. I'm just speculating. Yeah, he's probably I mean, just like, yeah, no, I'm not accepting that message request. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tyson. Please, please do Tyson. We would really appreciate but, it. But man, either way, super so sick cool. to see that. So cool. I I, I texted Nolan every, like when it happened. I texted Nolan and I was like, "Oh my god, man, this is unbelievable!" Texted him at four in the morning because I was up early for work that day. But uh, I just like to think that in a perfect world, Tyson's in the locker room. He just got out of the shower. He's you know texting back his old lady like, "Yeah, I had a nice game today. A little sore. I'm gonna have a little protein shake when I get home and get a good night's sleep. Maybe pet the dog. You know what it is what it is." And then he opens up his phone. What's what's this little meme? And he looks at it and he goes. <laughs> That's pretty good. And then in, in a perfect world, because I'm a dreamer, he taps he taps somebody on the street and goes, hey, Nursey, check out this meme that this, uh, this page tagged me in. And, and Darnell looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, bro, that's pretty good. And maybe, I don't know, three or four other guys come over. What's all the, what's all the commotion? Connor what's McDavid, Dave Tippett, yeah. Wayne Gretzky walks into the room. <laughs> hey, They're look at like, this. Oh, <laughs> what is it? What, what's, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> You're just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna send to Sid- I'm just gonna send to Sidney Crosby. Oh, <laughs> why would I? Why would I do that? <laughs> Hockey Canada shares Nolan's meme. <laughs> so yeah, sick. Uh, we talked about Flames fan Kyle's head not fitting in a room after that. Uh, neither will mine or Nolan's. We are so so cool. Probably the two two coolest guys in the world. Not a big deal. Um, but then we go into the. Uh, to a back-to-back game here, No Whistle against the uh, Winterpeg Jets, and what did you title this one? Bailed out my bailed out by McDad. That's that's what it is, man. Bailed out by McDad, and um, yeah, I I just I kept it pretty simple with this because the game was overall uh, pretty 
pretty slow for the most part. Uh, both teams playing a pretty highly structured or highly defensively structured game. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, both both teams were playing on the back half of a back to back, and in the first period, the shots were only six to four <laughs> for the Jets, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I mean, if you're a little tired, <laughs> but uh, Connor McDavid coming in the clutch with two goals, uh, just 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 a remarkable talent. Even when he's running on fumes, he's still the best player in the league. It's just it's it's absolutely fantastic. A proper mental mate. I I love him. Um, did you have any last thoughts on that game? I was saddened, saddened in the fact that I wasn't able to watch that game in its entirety. I got home late from work that day. Just a really hardworking. Are you, are, are you sad? I don't think you should be sad. I was sad, man. Anytime I can't watch the Oilers, I get a little bit sad, especially when they're playing. Um, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, last year when the season ended and I was like faced with the reality that I wasn't going to get to see the Oilers for a little while. So it's definitely making, making me appreciate getting to see the the fellas fly around out there uh so i only got to see the third period and from what i saw it was a shitty period for the oilers you could tell that they were tired they were kind of getting running around running around by winnipeg and very happy that they were able to pull out that 2-1 win um that kind of offside conundrum at the end of the game was it a goal wasn't it a goal um just freak shit by connor to be skating backward and somehow corral and maintain control of the puck allegedly not control not allegedly he didn't have control of the puck over the blue line it was offside it is what it is way she goes but um yeah statement win big win tough win large two points fuck the jets um another piece of of nice little news so riding the high from the night before with the tyson berry meme um that game had a very important moment in it where Zach Cassian, much like from the movie The Benchwarmers, beef stewed a player on the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> low-key kind of sitting on his face a little bit. It looked like a fart meme. So I posted that one on the story, tagged Zach Cassian in it, and I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm like, Zach Cassian took me back. And uh, go to see the people who viewed it, and Zach Cassian checked out our meme. Hell yeah, super, brother. Super cool. Big cameo star there. So... Um, I, again, uh, in a perfect world, Zach taps one of the boys on the shoulder, like, Hey, look at the, I got, Hey Leon, look at this one. Yeah. And then Tyson Berry comes over and he's like, what are you two yakking about? And then he's like, look at this meme I got tagged in. And then Tyson Berry's like, that account actually tagged me in a meme yesterday, dude. And then Cassian's like, maybe we should both go on that pod together and talk about it a little bit since we're both kind of celebrities over there. And, and then, then Tyson Berry's like, I know Justin Bieber. I'll send this to him. And then Justin yeah. Bieber's like, oh my God, I love this meme. I love this account. This is great. I'm a, I'm a Leaf fan, but now I'm an Oilers fan. So, hey, you know, um, Tyson Berry, Zach Cassian, if you're, if you're hearing this, if your agents are listening... Text me back. I just want to hang out. <laughs> As he has like buckets of sweat <laughs> pouring down his forehead. <laughs> Please text me back. <laughs> but no, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I mean, if, if anyone was uh, stupid enough to bet puck line on that, that's a bit of an unfortunate ending for the game. Question to those listening, would it be a one-for-one episode if Nolan didn't bring up his (laughs) degenerate gambling addiction? No, it would not. We're going to talk about the next game because uh, that had some unfortunate circumstances behind it. Well, hey, no better time than the present, Nolan. What did you call the second game against the Jets? 
Firm grasp on second, baby. That's the most important thing. Um, four points ahead of Winnipeg now for second in the North Division and tied for first with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Three games uh, on hand the Leafs have on us is worth mentioning. Which, yeah, but they've also gone like, what, two and six in their last eight or something like that. So yeah, take that for what's worth. No, for sure. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, you know. Whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, I have to say... <laughs> hey, are you mad at me? No, it's good. It's fine. As I'm sharpening the knife. <laughs> it's just funny that. <laughs> I, uh, I've... I gotta say, these last two wins... Um, I know that we bring up the term disheartening, and um, I don't want to say heartening, because that doesn't sound correct, but... Um, these last two wins have been the most encouraging wins, I think, maybe of this entire season. Because the first one, they came off the second half of a back-to-back and were just, they just won. They won. They didn't play, be- like, they, like, Winnipeg outplayed them. If you look at the, if you look at the advanced numbers, Winnipeg outplayed them. But luckily, we have the superstar that's able to pull the team through. And an important point that we're going to bring up later down the road, but don't don't start prefacing your. <laughs> but the second game, it was they went into the third period with a two-one deficit, and once again, from what we heard from the Vancouver game when they were down three nothing, um, going into the third period, I believe it was Leon had mentioned during his post uh, post game interview that they were confident they were confident that they were going to win this game, and. Everybody just did their part. Now, when we look at what Dave Tippett did to the lineup, when we look at how the bottom six performed, which over the last couple games, the bottom six, once again, has been a bit concerning, but this is the reason why you have two superstars. This is the reason why they pay McDavid and Drysaddle the big bucks. This is exactly why... I have no problem paying Connor McDavid $12.5 million as long as you're not paying John Tavares $11 million. Boom. Suck it, JT. But they 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 pulled everyone through. And what Dave Tippett did was he reunited McDavid and Dreisaitl, which when you are down and you need offense and you're not finding it anywhere in your lineup, this is the reason why you have two superstars. Bring them together and it will be nuclear. And not only that, but you put a nice defensive presence with Jesse Pugliarvi on that line, and god damn did they ever click. They that that line played incredibly well together. And when you have all those guys firing on all cylinders, including guys like Nurse and Barry on the back end, where you're just consistently hammering offense, you're gonna you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna get results. Um now something that I'm gonna actually touch upon in our like kind of in our overall Oilers thoughts but one thing that I did like that that Dave Tippett did was he re or he united um why am I saying united but he put together the second line with uh I believe it was switching between Cahoon and Shore but it was Nuge and Archibald now Yamamoto has been out for the last couple games please get well Kyler and they like Nuge and Archibald had incredible chemistry last night. I don't know if you noticed that, but I sure as hell did. Like, they looked great together. And maybe that just has to do with them being two, two-way players that work really well. And I just, on a side note, Josh Archibald, man, 
Oh, he's easily one of my favorite players on the team. Dude, fan favorite five sure. Uh, we kind of talked about it in the first episode of Suck Jesse's Toes, where we were talking about how Josh Archibald is just a Swiss army knife of a player. Um, he can play in your bottom six. He can play, or sorry, yeah, your bottom six, or he can play in your top six. Um, he flies. He's fast. He's aggressive. Um, he's tenacious. He's got it's like a wrecking ball. Yeah, he's got an offensive instinct to him. He can play with McDavid. He can play with Nuge. Um, man, I just love him, and I love his contract, and I hope that he sticks around, maybe signs a multi-year. Um, I think he fits in on that team really, really well. He's from Regina. Shout out Sask. We love it. Um, just wicked to have him around, a guy that I hope stays around. Um, but like you said, man, just mentally built different. This Oilers team winning those two games and taking one against Calgary, going 3-1 and one on the week. Um, for a 21 13 and zero record with 42 points is just like exhale I'm like, gonna shoot <laughs> <my grandma. laughs> but it's like it's been it's been a long time coming for the yeah. Oilers to be a team that plays like this and lives up to its potential and talk the shit you want about the North Division talk your shit about it being weak um they look like they finally turned a corner as a team mentally and it's been a couple times that we've said that where they've gotten big statement wins like this and it's just i'm gonna use one for one bingo here and say it's really nice i'm not scared it's good stuff the uh, kind of going to the point of it being a mentally different team even once again going back to the whole post-game interview thing I've noticed something about Connor McDavid this year, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm overanalyzing it. I very well could be, but even in his post game interviews, the maybe it's like the cadence he comes off with, or the um, just the overall tone. He's got some like major Jonathan Taves vibes right now. Like he he doesn't look he, like he doesn't look like he's going on the mic and going, yeah, you know, we uh, played, uh, we, you know, we played okay and. Uh, Smitty got uh, got a couple good saves for us. Like it, it, he looks like he's actually pretty engaged now when he's answering questions, and it looks like he's he's feeling himself a little bit. He's not he's not very like he's still not charismatic whatsoever. He's Dude, I, a pretty wooden individual <laughs> overall. Wooden. He's <laughs> P- Pinocchio ass boy. Um, I don't want Dave Tippett's just the dude behind building him. He's giving him the nose and shit. No, I don't. I don't want to oversimplify it, but it looks like he's having fun. It looks like he's yeah for the first time man. in his in the life. Sellies? He's in yeah, man. He's smiling when he's skating into the boys like into the goal celly. Like he's enjoying himself. Connor is happy. My uh, my my favorite little uh, uh, Connor nugget is when he gets a really good pass and then he does the point to the guy that sent him the yeah, pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. <laughs> We love you, Connor. Um, I think I think this is a good segue, Nolan. If you were finishing up there, I'm yeah, sorry no, yeah, you're. I, that's exactly what I was gonna do. I think this is a perfect time to segue into the question that you have uh, proposed in the notes here. How are we feeling overall? Tied for first in the division, as mentioned, twenty-one, thirteen, and zero. That is a .603 win percentage, eighth best record in the league. Um, Which yeah. I wanted to quickly mention that is important in case. Teams don't play the full 56-game schedule. The The league may revert to points percentage. So that is important to note. 
Um, whether or not it happens to all the divisions, it's, it's impossible to say, but that is a possibility. So you always have to keep that in mind that points percentage is extremely valuable. So being eighth in the league, fantastic. Love it. Um, wouldn't be an episode of one for one if I didn't talk about the NHL sweet 16 rankings. Um, so you said eighth in the league, we are 15th in the super 16 rankings, which is a criminal level snub. It's fine. I'm dealing with it. That's all I'm going to say, but feeling overall Nolan to answer your question, I feel very good about where the Oilers are at. I'm very, I feel fantastic. I, ah, God, I said it again. I feel great. I feel great. Fantastic. Not scared. Happy. (laughs) Um, Good stuff. Very nice. Happy guys. Um, yeah, man, I, I like it. For and, and complacency is terrible, and I don't think that the Oilers are getting complacent. They're still out there playing hard. Um, but Dave Tippett's also a scary man. And yeah, Dave I think Tippett's he, a freak. I think he's probably like, you better fucking make sure you still four-check hard and you play good in your own zone. Didn't mean jack shit because you lost three in the row to the Leafs. That's not fucking just eats me up inside. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, he's like, uh, tip, uh, we win. And he's like, you're goddamn right, Jesse. Jeff at home, he need milk bone. <laughs> That's from we're, high key races. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get canceled for doing Finnish accents yeah. now. Um, uh, but I, speaking, speaking of Yesi, ah, segue there. Um, he needs to start on power play one. I know that we talked about this beforehand with, um, uh, Alex Chase on playing first unit power play and it works and all that stuff. And I, I, I get the philosophy behind it, but Jesse Pogliarvi should be on the first unit power play because every time they throw him out after the, they do this like weird staggering thing where after a minute, if Dave Tippett's not getting results, he'll throw Jesse out there and it immediately looks different because Jesse moves around the ice. And when the puck hits the net and you get that rebound, it feels like nine times out of 10, if that shot doesn't go in, the, the opposing team is clearing it out of the way. Man. But with Yesse, he's forechecking on the power play. And it's so important because he's there in those opportune zones. Opportune, yeah. Anyways, go on. Yesse Poliarvi kind of has a similar sense that like Dennis Rodman had in terms of like when the ball would hit the rim, it's like, as it was coming, as the shot was leaving the player's hand, Rodman was already kind of getting in position of where the rebound was going to be, and that's what made him yeah. such a worm and made him so good at rebounding. And similar thing, it's like when the puck is coming towards the net, Pulearvi's already kind of moving to be in a position that's opportune, that's going to have him there to either like put it low, take it behind the net, rebound it out, put a shot on net. Like he just has that in inherent ability or sense of where the puck is going to be that is so fucking dangerous as an offensive force but is so so deadly on a power play it's a whole nother dimension that chase on just doesn't have that neil just doesn't have that guys anymore that are, unfortunately yeah, yeah that guys he are just doesn't net. have the hands yeah and whoever's got the speed to do it he's got the size to muscle his way out he's so so talented he's young why not have him out there all the time and just do it? Like, I don't know. It just seems like such a simple concept. Yeah, and it's it's also just, like, if you have a power play, because I, I bring up the term nuclear all the time because... <laughs> Because uh, I know I'm uh, I'm really big into uh, Chernobyl and I'm absolutely uh, terrified of the Soviet Union. <laughs> and when I talk about McDavid and Drysidle, that's your nuclear option for five on five play. 
But on a power play, you're not tiring people out. Go nuclear, man. Like we're not we're not doing things like like most teams. Most teams will have two units of a power play. Uh, the the second unit for this team is like uh fucking uh, uh Yamamoto uh, Cassian and like Danny, the equipment manager, like hops over the <laughs> hops over the boards and is like, "Hey guys, yeah, I'll join you." But on like on a power play, go nuclear, go for that full like maximum offense, and that's exactly <laughs> and that's exactly what this team needs to do. Because I swear, if you keep Yesse on that first unit and you just continue doing your classic, oh yeah. We'll play Connor and Leon all two minutes on the power play. Perfect. Then you're going to see results. You're going to see like power play goals like every time. So I just, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Give him, tip it. Give him the launch codes. And by <laughs> him, I mean your power play one unit. Give them the launch codes. <laughs> one That's last thing on. What? That's actually what, Nolan? I was just gonna say that's 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 a that's a really funny tie-in to nuclear. Thank you. I like it. Um, yeah. Did you did you have any notes that you wanted to touch on? One more note. Yeah. And it is about our prince, Prince Charming, Dylan Holloway. Oh, he is he's a handsome devil. He's a handsome devil. Made it to the ten uh, Hobie Baker finalists. For those who are not aware, the Hobie Baker Award is awarded to the most outstanding NCAA player. Um, to be in that top 10 list is fantastic. It's well-deserved. Uh, uh, his teammate, you can go ahead, Cole Caulfield. Is that how you pronounce Cole, it? Cole Caulfield. Caulfield. Most likely going to be the guy who takes that home there. Uh, snub, if I can say so. The Frozen Four is in April on the 8th and the 10th. And then after the Frozen Four, it's expected that Dylan Holloway is going to sign his ELC and join the Edmonton Oilers. So this is a bit of a conundrum that we can actually we can tie in one of the things that I wanted to mention. Um, so Chris Johnson was on headlines last night and mentioned that he doesn't think the Oilers are going to be very active during the deadline, which is kind of disappointing because I think when you're in a division like this, you need to take advantage of it. And um, are you able to hear Taylor? No. Okay. Hi, uh, Taylor, uh, Miles said hi. Hi, Taylor. Um, no, I, I hope not. No, I can hear you. Oh, now, oh, now, now she can, now he can hear you. Uh, as long as you can't hear, talk to the cat. That's all that matters. Um, I'm also hoping that my Don't microphone doesn't that. pick it up. Don't edit that. <laughs> but the, uh, so he, so yeah, he, he brought up that the, that he doesn't think that the Oilers are going to be very active during the, during the trade deadline, which is a little disappointing because when you're looking at the situation, you have an opportunity where the no matter what, the team a team from your division will be in the final four, so playing in the conference finals. And I think at that point, you have to make moves, and I don't think you have to make a very big move. I know that we talked about it beforehand where... I wanted them to go after a guy like uh, Matthias Ekholm, which I, I still think would be would be the correct thing to do, or going after a guy like Taylor Hall who can drive play and you can you can get that second line. Like you can realistically speaking, if you wanted to go for Taylor Hall, you could have McDavid and Dreisidel on your on your first line, and that's fine. If you wanted to do that, 
Like, it, realistically, if you wanted to do that, you can do that. And your second line would be Hall, Nuge, and Yamamoto. Like, <laughs> pretty stupid. But nonetheless, I think that if Chris Johnson is getting these uh, these vibes that uh, Ken Holland's not going to be very active on trade deadline day, I think this means that Dylan Holloway is probably going to be involved with being called up and potentially playing. Uh, Ken Holland did do his, uh, did do his, I think it's like um, mid season press conference. Typically like a GM will do, I think like three years, something like that. He'll do one preseason mid season and after the regular season or typically one at trade deadline. What Ken Holland mentioned in his press conference was that uh, they're going to discuss with Dylan Holloway, the options of bringing him on the team and the optimism in his voice sounded like he most likely wants Holloway to play on the team. I think most of the coaching staff is really excited about him. And I think what he provides doing the little things properly, no matter what, whether or not he's playing uh, the bottom six or on the top line, that he's going to be a valuable piece to the team, like right away. So the conundrum that comes with that is... If you play Dylan Holloway one game this season, even including playoffs, you burn a year of his ELC. So that's that's an entry-level contract that you are burning one year of, and then you got two more after this. And then I believe he will be, so he'll be an RFA, so he'll be a restricted free agent, but he won't have arbitration rights. So with that being said, it's going to be similar to like Quinn Hughes right now where Quinn Hughes is going to be going into this offseason as a restricted free agent, but he has no arbitration rights. So that means that he he can take Vancouver to the cleaners, but legally speaking, he can't have an arbitrator be like, oh yeah, you guys have to give my client $12 million. So there is that going for it. Now, if it means that Dylan Holloway comes in and he's next level and helps this team win, well, y- you fucking get him playing right away. But if he's just going to sit on taxi squad, Dave Tippett plays him for one game, and it's like, oh, I'm sick of this kid, and doesn't play him anymore, well, now you've just wasted one year of his contract for no reason, right? So I am still on the fe- or I'm still on the side of play him because I think what he's going to provide, I think he's going to provide instant value to this team. I think he's going to be ready to go right away. Yeah, a hundred. 100- a hundred percent. Normally, I would say like, "Ah, oh, Nolan, you're being a little bit of a a little bit of a negative Nancy here." Like, oh, it's two years down the road. Who really cares? But the Oilers are kind of in that interesting spot right now where things are starting to click, things are starting to get right, and the window has opened in the sense of like this team is finally in a position where they're competitive. I think they'll be competitive consistently, and your ELCs are so, so important with cap constraints considered. And that's not and that's not going to ease up. That's not going to get any better. And if Dylan Holloway is going to be the type of player that we think it is, the man's going to need to get paid when that ELC is done. So we need, we need to maximize our efficiency in terms of playing guys and having ELCs um, as value for depth, for star players, for whatever. Um, so it is extremely important that Dave Tippett doesn't just want and done him, doesn't boosh him, and has him playing. And I think he can. I think he will. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why the Oilers won't be active at the deadline, unfortunately. Going back to your point there, uh, I still think that they're one piece away from being 
a giant and being able to go against some of those better teams, like being able to match up with whoever comes out of that uh, that West division there. If it's, if it's the Knights, like we think it will. If it's the Abs, if it's maybe the Scary Mini, who knows, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the Oilers would need another piece of depth if Holloway comes in and he's that winger that we think he is and their forward group is solidified and it's good and it's deep, awesome, but they're still a D-man away, right? Yeah, So exactly. we really need an Ekholm or an Arvinson or somebody like that um, if it's not going to be Holloway, that Arvinson idea kind of comes around. So, yeah, I would like to see the Oilers active at the deadline. It's a it's a shot through the heart that they might not be. So hopefully something <laughs> oh, comes. One guy I did want to mention, sorry to cut you off. One guy I did want to mention that um, apparently is kind of being shopped that I think would be an interesting option, Connor Garland from Connor Arizona. Garland, okay. He's available according to Elliot Friedman. And he's an RFA this upcoming season, but I think you might be able to get him for probably a pretty decent deal. But he's an interesting player. Um, I don't know if I want them to necessarily go for him because you're probably going to pay up some pretty ridiculous assets for him. Um, But I think that could be a guy that garners some interest and could be someone that might be on Ken Holland's radar because he's cost-controlled for the next few years and he plays on a let's let's be nice uh, not 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 very skilled Arizona Coyotes team so I would be interested in Connor Garland if in fact Ken Holland was poking around at him poking around well Nolan we're gonna be fighting right away so I might as well just start it off here too um you talking about Taylor Hall can you look at me for a second yes. I don't want Taylor Hall I want Taylor Hall to stay as far away from the Sedmonton Oilers team as possible because I think that he is going to be a rental. I think that I think I don't think he comes home. I'm sorry, I've come to terms with it. I I don't think so either, but I I still want it to happen. And the reason being is, I guess I'm more interested in the story more than anything because just 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 think for one last second okay this no, is the last no we're not gonna, you're not I doing need, this to me again. i need to uh, no i'm doing this to you okay ah. i'm doing this to you okay so it y- just think about it let the me prodigal, think for a minute the former the fr- <laughs> let me think for a minute the 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 prodigal son comes home he's not exactly 20- in our q zone Can I? No. If you're going to make me hold on. Sorry, it's a dog. There's a dog. We're bringing the dog in. Okay, just go. Just go. So, okay, okay, Nolan, hello. We're back. Um, The reason I don't want Taylor Hall, and I love the storyline, and I would like to see him return, and I'd like him to be, I want it to be a solution to the problem in Edmonton. I want all of that to happen, Nolan. The Disney fan in me would like that to happen. But the reality that is unfortunate that we are faced with is that the Buffalo shit sabers are going to want a arm and a leg for him. Even I don't if, think so. Even I think so. And because and the reason I think so is because I think a dumb team like Toronto is going to want to pay a lot for him and is going to be willing to pay a lot for him. I think any team that is going to go after Taylor Hall is going to is going to get a, is going to outbid what our smart and lovable general manager Ken Holland is going to offer. So that's the reason why I don't want him is because I don't want us to overpay for Taylor Hall and I think a team will overpay for Taylor Hall. That is the end. Yeah, but just imagine like the conference finals. It's like game 6 overtime. The 
Are you giving me the finger no, I'm while you're rubbing your I'm eye? Scratching. Oh, you're 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 strategically giving me the middle finger while rubbing your eye. Just think. Okay, we're gonna go into we're gonna go into the twilight zone. It's game six of the conference finals, and it's overtime, and the game is tied, and the Oilers are up three two in the series, and they can go to the Stanley Cup final. They're playing Vegas, I don't know. And and in the dying seconds of overtime, Adam Larson puts a shot on net. Ryan Nugent Hopkins takes it and sends it over to Taylor Hall, who has the wide open net. He scores. You hear... You hear the call from... Probably Chris Cuthbert. Taylor Hall, the Oilers are going to the Stanley Cup final. And then the whole team crowds around him. And up in the press box, you see Wayne Gretzky. And you see the ghosts of Peter Shirelli, uh, Steve Tambellini, Craig McTavish, Ralph Krueger, Dallas Eakins, Tom Rennie, Todd McClellan. Dan they're, all, they're all there. They're all there. And Taylor Hall um, strategically scratches his eye with his middle finger to all of them. Just, just, just don't imagine. Just let it happen. One thing that's important to say off of that, too, <laughs> that we've been wrong about in previous podcasts is the, how things progress once you play out of the divisional rounds. I believe that it's not a West versus East at that point. It's a reseed of the top four. So you, yeah, so you could have, um, I don't know, Edmonton playing Carolina or Edmonton playing um, Vegas or Edmonton playing somebody else, right? Like <laughs> Boston. The, the Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> but I believe it is a reseed. So it's not so much a Western Conference final, Eastern Conference final. It's going to be like a crapshoot of who goes. So a couple episodes ago when we were saying like a Vegas-Tampa final, um, it could very well reseed that Vegas plays Tampa to go to the final, which is going to be some incredible hockey. But something that we need to catch ourselves on here when we talk Western Conference Final because it's a it is it is a COVID season and everything's a little bit fucking different. But um, just sorry to uh, sorry to get real on your dream there with with some unfortunate realities. But it's important that we correct ourselves on that because people come to this podcast for reliable, correct hockey information, and if we're not providing that for our listeners, Nolan, how can we sleep at night? That was beautiful. Thank that you. was a really beautiful wrap up. I'm very Thank passionate you. about this. Ari Miles. Okay, we're going to preface this by saying I'm going up against a debate champion. So, I am I'm I'm like it's basically me fighting a brick wall, okay? So let's just make sure we keep that in mind. And can we over all the next 5-10 minutes? And can we also keep in mind that I am arguing against an Edmonton Oiler who I own two jerseys of, who I idolize, who I He's love. He's a scumbag. That's that's exactly what you need to on keep in mind. He's a an, scumbag. On an Oilers podcast with Oilers fans listening who are not going to give me a second shred of of, of of a chance in this argument. I'm also going into this with facts in front of me that are hard to stomach that are going to make this a very <laughs> difficult debate and are going to make it an unwinnable side. But I stand staunch 
on so my argument. So at the end of it, you're you're going to admit defeat, right? Never. <laughs> so in case anyone's wondering what the hell we're talking about, well, the NHL released the trophy tracker uh, information, which is done by NHL.com, and uh, it's for the Hart Trophy. And it's 17 writers were pulled across the board, and they voted in a 5-4-3-2-1 point system like the actual award. So first place is five votes, second place is four votes, and so on and so forth. Anyways, here are the results. First, Patrick Kane with 74 points. Second, Connor McDavid with 65 points. Austin Matthews with 28, Anze Kopitar with 26. They whatever and as miles wrote in here it's awarded to the player most valuable to his team because i know he's gonna fucking use that one against me anyways miles you have the floor please start thank you very much nolan so as we get into this impassioned debate it's extremely important that we set the parameters before the round begins here um (laughs) i am going to take about uh, four minutes to make my piece. Maybe not even need four minutes. Nolan will get four minutes uninterrupted to make his argument. We will go back and forth after that. uh, And we will begin the round, or we will get into it after that. Um, Nolan scoffed at my definition. It is the only definition that is important throughout this debate. So I will say it once more clearly and not in a sarcastic tone so that people can listen and at least understand the argument that I am attempting to make here. And that is that the Hart Memorial Trophy is awarded to the player voted most valuable to his team. Mr. Speaker, that is the definition that we are going off of today. By that logic on Check's Notes, March 21st, 2001, I... 21, you mean? What did I say? You said 2001. <laughs> what? Mr. Uh, Speaker, our... our my... Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the opposition is already telling everybody that he is intoxicated at the moment, and he cannot debate. No one, this is protected time, please. <laughs> On March 3rd... Fuck! <laughs> on March 21st, 2021, I staunchly believe that Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks is deserving of that first place vote in the Hart Trophy race. Now, the reason I believe that ties back to the definition of the player voted most valuable to his team. The reason that I say that is based on around the argument that Patrick Kane plays on a worse team. I am saying that the Oilers are a better hockey team than the Chicago Blackhawks. Deep breath. Connor McDavid, 60 points. Leon Dreisaitl, 50 points. Tyson Berry, 30. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 26. Darnell Nurse, 25. Kyler Yamamoto, 16. Jesse Pugliarvi, 15. Patrick Kane, 42. Alex Dabrinkat, 31. Dominic Kubelik, 25. Whoever, Janmark, 18. Sutter and Bolquist are there at 13. So those are the leaders on their respective teams that we're discussing here today. Patrick Kane has no Jonathan Taves. He's got no Kirby Dock. He's playing with a rookie center, and he's putting up 42 points for the Blackhawks to be 14, 13, and 5 with 33 points. I think that puts them fifth in their division. They drop back after the last game. 
If you take Patrick Kane off of that Chicago Blackhawks team, they are nothing. They are not even close to the top of that division. They're a hurting unit. They're limping into their games, and they're not anywhere near competitive. The fact that they are competitive and are as and are as competitive as they have been is solely on Patrick Kane being the centerpiece of that team, the centerpiece that he's always been, the best American-born player there is. Patrick Kane, I don't think, deserves to have nine votes ahead of Connor McDavid, but I think Patrick Kane is very deserving in the fact that he is first place in that Hart Trophy ranking as of today. Nolan, rebuttal. Mr. Speaker, I want to preface by saying that... Patrick Kane. I think Patrick Kane's a great player. I think Patrick Kane's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think uh, Patrick Kane's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's a heart heart memorial, or he's a heart trophy winner himself. But this is just nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. So, as my opposition had already had already mentioned, uh, Connor McDavid, twenty-one goals, thirty-nine assists for sixty points in thirty-four games. We're gonna we're we're going to use some statistical analysis on this one. Uh, that equates to a 1.76 points per game factoring in on a total of 116 goals, which means that Connor McDavid has been involved with 52% of the team goals. Yes, Connor McDavid might be playing on a better team, but do you know who his most common line mate is? Ron Nugent Hopkins, who has 11 goals, or yeah, 11 goals. At the time that I wrote this was last night, so before he was involved whatever uh 11 goals 14 assists 25 points in 33 games Connor mcdavid is leading the league in points assists and goals along with six game winning goals 7.1 point shares and that's including both offensive and defensive and a 10.0 corsi 4 relative percentage that is a remarkable number now let's look at patrick kane shall we 12 goals, 30 assists, 42 points in 32 games. 1.31 points per game, factoring in on 44% of, I believe it's 95, Chicago Blackhawks team goals. So, already there, num- raw numbers, uh, Connor McDavid are, already leads that. In addition to that, he has one game-winning goal, so uh, 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 six times less than Connor McDavid, uh, 4.6 point shares, and this is a pretty uh, damning number because this, my ladies and gentlemen, is not based off of the team performance, but based off of the player performance. A point zero or a point seven Corsi four relative percentage. So we're talking a difference in relative Corsi of nine point three. And yes, I know, ladies and gentlemen, you are laughing at me right now because you are laughing and you're saying, "Hey, this guy likes Marvel movies and math. What a nerd!" But what I'd like to tell you is, do you know who Patrick Kane's most common lineman is? Alex Dabrinkat. With 15 goals, 15 assists for 30 points in 27 games. Wow. Why you look at that? Now, that's, that's, that's 30 points in 27 games. That, that's over a point per game. Compared to Connor McDavid playing with a linemate that's actually three or eight points less per game than pa- what Patrick Kane's playing with. And... What I wanted to go into, and what I wanted to mention about this, is that I don't even believe that Patrick Kane... Well, sorry, I shouldn't really say that. I believe that the issue is whether or not Patrick Kane is the one that's leading Chicago Blackhawks to win games. Because 
I think it might actually be Kevin Lankinen that has a pretty important part in that himself. Because in March, which has been the Chicago Blackhawks' worst performance so far of the season, the Hawks currently so far are 2-5-1. and one. Wow, I wonder what Kevin Lankinen's save percentage is in that time. It's .890. Miles, you now have the floor again. Okay, so I'll start by saying hockey is the ultimate team game. Um, when you play on a better team, you're going to be in a more advantageous position to be better. You have, you're surrounded by more talent. Um, I know you threw out a bunch of statistics there, Nolan. They kind of contradict mine and I'll just give you my source because I don't want to talk like I'm, I don't want to talk out of my ass here. I want to at least make this fair. I'm going off of hockeyreference.com. I don't know as what you use. Uh, as did you. So I don't know how I'm interpreting these statistics differently, but here's a, just a couple numbers of comparison that I had for Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid. And you can kind of interrupt me here too. We'll just go back and forth a little bit here. I had a 57.4 shots through percentage versus Connor McDavid at 65.4 shots through. So that's taking into account like shots that are attempted, shots that are blocked, shots that miss the net. Uh, Patrick Kane has 15 takeaways, 25 giveaways. Connor McDavid has 17 takeaways, 28 giveaways. So they're pretty darn close there. I have a 52.4 Corsi 4. I don't pretend to be a, 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 a like a varied or a viable source in that, but I have Connor McDavid at a 64 Corsi 4 off of that. Um, a number that stands out to me is Patrick Kane at 34% defensive zone starts and Connor McDavid at 27% D zone starts. So just on that number itself, if Patrick Kane's starting more, uh, more offensive or more plays in his own zone, I think that with a lesser team around you, his numbers are going to hurt a little bit more there as well. Um, but man, I know, I, I understand what you're saying and I, I am looking at these numbers and yeah, like Connor McDavid is a fucking freak with what he's done for points for but Connor McDavid's also agreed upon the best player in the National Hockey League the best player in the world Connor McDavid's bar to win a heart is up here and he's got to be for those that can't see he's got a very high bar and for Connor McDavid to win over the naysayers win over the biased media he's got to be up here tying back to what I said before on March 21st, 2021, Patrick Kane is the most valuable player to his team. With what Connor McDavid is doing and the pace that he's on and the gear he's found, I think when this year finishes, Connor McDavid is going to change those minds and is going to be in first place for the Hart Trophy. But right now, with the facts and figures I've given and the argument that I've made about the lesser team that's around him and the scaly Blackhawks, I think that Patrick Kane drives that team. Say what you want about Alex DeBrincat. Um, Patrick Kane without not on this team has it's the leadership that he brings it's the presence you talked about his resume it's what he gets guys to buy into especially with Taves not being there he's got a young core around him that he's shaping that he's molding that he's making professionals and Connor McDavid is also doing that but not to the extent that Patrick Kane has where Patrick Kane is the captain of a sinking ship well what I'd like to say is that you brought up a great point about the threshold that Connor McDavid needs to reach in order to be the Hart Trophy winner. Well, what I'd like to mention is that if this was a different year and Connor McDavid is leading Patrick Kane by five points, you know what? We can have that discussion. But as it stands right now, Connor McDavid is leading Patrick Kane, I almost said Evander, whoopsie, by 18 points. The domination that Connor McDavid is currently putting on right now is something that we have not seen 
since the mid-90s, since the days of Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. And you know what happened back then? Mario Lemieux got the Hart Trophy. And another player I'd like to mention, who's closest, not even the same level, but the closest amount of domination that Connor McDavid is currently putting on right now, is 2010-2011 Sidney Crosby. Who I might mention had 66 points in 41 games, which equates to a 1.61 points per game. And he played 41 games. He played exactly half the season. And you know where he ended up in Hart Trophy voting? 20th. Despite playing half the year, and it was the back half of the year that he missed. So going into that voting, he had missed that whole half of the season. He finished 20th in the NHL because of how dominant he was. And to go back to a player playing with more talent and playing on a better team, we talk about why we how we or why we want our um, why we want our league to be bigger and better. So let's use examples from other leagues. For let's use examples from other leagues. So the two the two biggest that the that the NHL would probably be in competition with are the NBA and the NFL. Well, as far as I know, on the seventy three and nine Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry won his second of back to back MVPs, and he was unanimous because of just how dominant Steph Curry was. LeBron James was great. LeBron James was is still the best player in the league, and he was the best player in the league at the time. But you know who was the most valuable to his team because of his sheer and utter dominance? Steph Curry. This is exactly why Connor McDavid should be the Hart Trophy winner today. What he is doing is unprecedented. Well, sorry, unprecedented since before the dead puck era. That is exactly why Connor McDavid should be the Hart Trophy winner. So my question for you, Nolan, if Connor McDavid is dropped off this roster tomorrow, how do the Oilers finish? Do, uh, do the Oilers make the playoffs? They certainly don't win the last two games, that's for sure. F- fine, but do they make the playoffs? Is there enough talent on the Edmonton Oilers team for them to still be competitive? Maybe in the top six, but that's the problem. Is It's maybe. Okay, I, I, so if, if Patrick Kane isn't on this Chicago Blackhawks team, are they even fucking near making the playoffs in their division? But this is the problem, is that we should not be rewarding the Hart Trophy based off of the shitty roster construction of a team. We should be rewarding it based off of a player's performance in a season. But it's what the player brings to the team, their element to the team. We're talking about the leadership and resume and what Patrick Kane is able to to shape the Chicago Blackhawks t- team into, sh- shape them up into a potential playoff team when they have no sniff of being there themselves. Patrick Kane's the most valuable player to his team. Connor McDavid so, is the most valuable player to his team. I'm not saying that that isn't the case. Connor McDavid is unbelievable. But I think that Patrick Kane is more important to the Chicago... Oh, I don't think that. No, I don't think that. I'm taking that back because I'm going down think? a dark road. So, okay, Miles, how about this? You pick Connor McDavid or Patrick Kane to throw on the team or to throw on the Chicago Blackhawks. Who wins more games? Obviously, Connor McDavid. I don't think that that's a fair point to make. I think it's perfectly with the fair. statue of limitations that we have. 
I think if Pat- we're if we're gonna take hypotheticals of taking players off of teams, then I think we should be able to put players on teams. Not different teams, not the same two situations around. If, if Connor McDavid's on the Chicago Blackhawks team, they're they're even better. But Patrick Kane to his team on this date, I think is the mo- is the most valuable player to his team. That's the argument that I'm making. That's what I'm standing by. I don't have a very solid ground on that based so on what we've talked about that- here. Do you believe that Wayne Gretzky should not be an eight-time Hart Trophy winner Don't, because he played on dominant Edmonton we, Oilers if teams? If we talk about hypotheticals, I'm fucking <laughs> starting in net for the Oilers and we're, we've got lost zero games this year. Look, man, we're talking about two incredible talents. <laughs> and, like, I, man, I, in my heart of hearts, I agree with you. But, like... You came at me with this, and you're like, we're going to talk about this on the pod. We're both going to bitch at the NHL. And I'm like, man, I don't think it's that crazy. And the fact that Patrick Kane is leading based on people who have actual opinions on this makes me think I'm not totally taking crazy pills. Makes me think that I'm not fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, but these are also the these are also the same people that gave Drew Doughty a Norris Trophy when he was one of the worst defensive players in the NHL. So well, I don't really Nolan, take that you, into consideration. Nolan, you should run the awards. You know everything. You should get it. I should. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Norris Nurse. Um, I don't know, man. Like like I said, and I'm not trying to scammer here and and change my footing on anything. Like. I'm making the argument that I think Patrick Kane is the most valuable player to his team, and based on that definition, that he is where he is in the standings, in the, in the rankings. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I do think that Connor found another gear, and that he's going to finish this season with the Rocket, with the Art Ross, and the Hart Trophy. But right now, when these award rankings came out, I don't think that it's absolutely crazy for Patrick Kane to be there, and I think that there is justification for him to be there. Uh, I mean, I I can ag- I can agree with him being in justification for second or third, but definitely not, definitely not in first. No, definitely the, not in first by nine votes. The worst part about this whole debate, the worst part about this whole podcast, other than being up against a stat freak, is that this is going to come out on a Tuesday morning where the Blackhawks <laughs> lose yet another game. It's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be listened to in a week where they lose more games, where other teams in their division keep advancing, and people are going to look at the stats uh, of current when they listen to this and be like, oh, yeah, that guy with the mullet's a fucking moron. He's a backwoods idiot. He doesn't know jack shit. But I'm looking at the past body of work of this man leading up to this I point, thought you said live right in the there. present, not the past. <laughs> Whatever. Go eat ass. Man, no, it's not gonna. This take, this take, this take is not gonna age well. This take is gonna look terrible. But it's gonna for, age like milk. But for the sake of argument, for a debate on a podcast about hockey, for important news that's coming out, for what he has done this season up to this point, I think it is fair. I think it is justified, and I think it is well deserved for Patrick Kane to be at the top of that ranking. End of story for me. Yeah, you should. I think you should just reward domination. I think you should leave. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think. uh, Yeah, I think you should just reward domination and uh, the the NHL, uh, the PWHA or or sorry, PHWA rewarded Nikita Kucherov two years ago with it with uh, 164 first place votes based on his sheer dominance. Second place was Sidney Crosby with three. 
And I think that's exactly how it should be right now. And that's exactly how it should turn at the end of the year. And I think that that's where Connor's taking it. And I think that that's going to, that's going to be how it ends up. But right now I think Patrick Kane deserves his moment in the sun. I mean, he can have his moment in the sun all he wants, but he's not, as, he's not, he's not having as good of a season as Connor McDavid. <laughs> I love you, Miles. I'm fond of you, Nolan. <laughs> Is that the meanest thing to say to somebody? I love you too, <laughs> Nolan. I'm sorry. Uh, well, everybody wanted... I, I, I think people were wanting some arguments and, and people wanted some uh, impassioned debate. And I think they got what they came for. Can, so. I get, can I get two claps and a Ric Flair for arguing for Patrick Kane on an Oilers podcast against Connor McDavid? Uh, no, because you made that mistake yourself. Mistake. <laughs> I sent you the text, and all you had to do was just say, that's fucking bullshit, man. I'm but not no, going to appease you. I'm you a strong, independent you man. You decided, no, 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 Nolan's wrong. Nolan doesn't, it's not that It's not that crazy. I'm never, I'm not going to bend backwards for your will, Nolan. I am, I am allowed David, to have my own thoughts. Oh, my God. Actually, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, because it would, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, so I don't want to do that. It's uh, Lady. Uh, <laughs> did you oh see that? Sorry, did you see that TikTok? And it was like some girl who's a, who's she's like thirteen and she's a, a Pittsburgh fan and she's on like a motorized scooter with a Juju like artwork on it and she's like, oh. the Chiefs and Ravens really thought. It, welcome oh. back, Juju. It's Liddy. And then she takes oh. off and the captions like, this is every Juju Smith Schuster fan. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably going to get me canceled by some of our friends. Most overrated receiver in the NFL. No, dude, I don't think that's going to get you canceled. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, big, I'm not a big Juju guy. Anyways, um, next week's agenda. This is a hugely important week. Playing Montreal three times in a row: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So, and that's a team that is in fourth place and is fourth. Yeah, they are in fourth. Yeah, yes, they are. Yes, Winnipeg's in third. In fourth place. And uh, they, they want to work their way up. They want to make the playoffs. So these are going to be three very important games. And then, um, what are the lyrics for the song Kryptonite by Three Doors Down? Because uh, that's what I'm scared of on Saturday. And will you still call me Superman? Superman. When <laughs> Connor I'm... McDavid scores 16 goals against the Maple Leafs. Will you be there holding my hand? Dude, they they are big. Um, uh, they're uh, they're they uh, they're actually playing the uh, the um, the intermission game for the Tony D'Angelo All Stars. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> also, fun fact: the drummer for freaking Nickelback played with Three Doors Down before. Did you know that? I knew he was in a different band. I think I yeah. knew it was Three Doors Down, but I'm very glad for the history lesson. Yeah. Yeah, Very a sick, sick drummer. Sick drummer. Uh, but yes, they play Montreal three times and then Toronto on Saturday. This, I think I've said this already, but this might be the more, most important stretch of the season. We <laughs> say this is the most important week coming up every episode. Perfect. I, I'm glad to hear it. Um, but because we this live in the is, present, this is going to be a very, very, very tough week. Um, playing a couple of really good teams, um, and I, personally, I don't know if Montreal is actually as good as people keep talking them up like their advanced numbers say that they're pretty good but i just don't see it i just really don't and i i don't know if carrie price is a really good goaltender anymore 
sorry, but like I just he's just not. I said in a text to Jackson Mahomes or uh, floored by Alex, I can't remember which one it was, that that is up there for one of my stinkiest goalie contracts. Oh, him so, and him and him and him and uh, him, um, Bob, him, Bob, Bob Binnington. The fuck, I was trying to think of his name. Yeah. Him, Bob Binnington, quick are all very stinky contracts. Oh. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't want to talk shit about Carey Price because he's the type of goalie that'll just turn it on. And I don't want it to be this week, but I do. I'm going to give you my optimistic ostrich um, rankings here, and then I'm going to give you my real idea of how I think the week's going to go. So, okay. opti- optimistic ostrich Miles says four and zero. I'm looking at the way that these games are spread out, and I think that Edmonton is a wagon at this point in time and is going to keep rolling. Connor McDavid has his piss factory of anger going. We've talked about it before where whenever somebody talks shit about McDavid, he finds that other gear. When people start saying that Matthews is the best player in the league or that um, uh, uh, the guy from Colorado, uh, McKinnon's the best player in the league, and people start saying that online, Connor comes out and has a nasty game. And I don't know if some absolute knuckle-dragging idiot says Patrick Kane deserves the Hart Trophy, then maybe, and some a few uh, professional hockey writers come out and say the same thing, that maybe McDavid is going to take that week and go, you know what, I'm going to, you know, maybe get 14 points in four games. It is what it is. So, optimistic ostrich miles says 4-0 this week, but looking at that March 26th, March 27th split against Montreal and Toronto makes me think that kryptonite is going to be real and that we're going to go 3-1 with a loss to the Leafs. Uh, I think we're going to be two and two. I think the Toronto, I think the Toronto game is an, as a pretty well automatic loss. We're coming off the second half of a back to back and playing the Leafs who are going to be rested. So that concerns me. And then I think probably just drop one to one to the Habs. So I know I've, I think I say this all the time, but two and two, but I really genuinely think it's going to be two and two this week. So I hope once again, hope, hope always for four and oh, but, uh, we'll see how the cookie crumbles, but Miles, did you have any last thoughts today? No, Nolan. I'm very tired. I am going to throw a pre-made pizza from Save On Foods. No, for you guys. In the oven. Throw a little uh, a little jalapeno Havarti on there. It's going to be a nice treat. Um, and then I'm going to do some laundry and finally update the Pickapalooza standings. Such a nice Sunday evening. Such a nice Sunday evening. How about yourself? What do you got going on? Well, I, I bought pepperoni pizza bites last night, but I probably won't be able to make them tonight because it's too late and I got to go to bed soon because I got to wake up for work in the morning. Um, but I bought them last night for the Oilers game and I did not eat them. So I'm very disappointed in myself, but I wanted to have some of those. So maybe I might, maybe I might sneak a couple of those and we'll see. Um, but, uh, a, tr- no. a, a well-deserved treat for a king. Yes. For a, for a, for a debate Lord himself. There um, you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice, nice week of work because, uh, got most of my stuff done for, for the month. I work off a monthly basis. So got most of my stuff done for the month. This week should be nice and chill. Nice and nice and nice and nice and chill tweets. Is, is what nice it will and be. Chill tweets. Cushion nice and wisdom. Chill yeah, cushion wisdom. But uh, as per always, everybody, please give us a follow on Twitter at one for one pod and on Instagram at one underscore four underscore one pod. Uh, get your pickapaloozas in, and Miles will add them up, and you will win a sweater if you get in first place. So uh, if you're just starting now, well, you got a long way to go. But uh, Miles. Close it off, shall we? Thanks again for tuning in to the 11th episode of One for One. 
Appreciate everybody, all the support. Tell your friends. Follow us on socials. Subscribe. Subscribe. And as always, go Oilers go. Go Oilers go.